0: The scripture reading today is from Isaiah 59 through 20, and in the New Testament it'll be Matthew 21, 1 through 10, and I'll be reading out the English Standard Version. So if you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles, Isaiah 59 um, uh, 15 through 20 is found on page 619. And here is the reading of the Word of God. Truth is lacking, and he, depart, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlines he will render repayment, so that they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turned from transgression, declares the Lord. In the New Testament, we're reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 10. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Who is this? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do want to pray for Keith and Ellie Hendricks as they leave for North Carolina for the summer. We pray that you would bless their time together down there, that you would grant them a safe journey, and that um, you would continue to work in their lives. We are blessed, Heavenly Father, for their presence and their work here at Grace They certainly have hearts of service, and we will miss them. Heavenly Father, we also pray for the work of the members of the pastor search team as they continue the process of seeking our next senior pastor. Please bless their efforts to your glory and our good. Today, as Jerry brings us your word, we hear of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to us, humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. We thank you for that day, because our Lord became a sacrifice to save us. But we also look forward to another day, a day our Lord shall ride a white horse. His name will be faithful and true, and in righteousness he will judge and make war. The armies of heaven will follow him, and he whose name is the word of God. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord on that day to the glory of the Father. Amen.
1: Well, I invite you to keep your Bible open to Matthew chapter 21, the passage that we call the triumphal entry. It is Palm Sunday. So as I do most weekends, I was in Annapolis yesterday, and we all know it's City Dock, what is that little canal? that leads up to City, what's it called? Eagle Alley. Everybody knows that. I hope I didn't offend anyone by calling it a canal. Uh, So I was there, you know, this week. I'm thinking about the triumphal entry. I'm thinking about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And amidst all the big boats, you know, this is the time of year. It's getting warmer. More and more people are coming down there. And among these big boats, I see this little raft I see this little raft with a motor and two people. And I thought, oh, man, that's kind of like the triumphal entry. You know, Eagle Alley, you come, you want to show off your boat. And then uh, this couple comes in in this little raft. It was ironic to me. So last night I posted that online, and August Hein commented on it. And he said, well, the fact that they were in that little raft means that their boat was too big. (laughs) Uh, to come in. so uh, But there is something to that, and, and I'm going to come back to that at the end. Uh, but it is ironic, right, that Jesus comes to town. He comes into the city, and he has a message in that. But we're talking about redemption this morning. We've gone through different gospel words. We've talked about justification being declared righteous because of the righteousness of Christ through faith in Him. Last week we heard about sanctification, that process of the Holy Spirit working in us, making us more and more like Jesus. It's this process that we participate in through faith. It takes work. It takes effort. But today we talk about redemption. And as you think back on this past week, maybe you were in a bad situation that you wish somebody would have redeemed you. Maybe you were sitting in school and you wish someone would just walk into the door and say, you're free to go. Or uh, perhaps some of you were doing your taxes this week and you wish someone would just come and rescue you. Maybe that did happen to you. Uh, maybe your tax preparer did rescue you this week and redeem you. Or, or some of you, I heard some of you were working on house projects yesterday and got things done. Uh, but if you're like me, you look around and you see all the projects and you just wish that Mary Poppins would sweep in and just magically take care of everything. But ever since our first parents sinned in the garden, uh, humanity has been longing for redemption. We think about politics. We think if if this man or this woman would come in and just solve all of our problems and would come and just do all the things that we want done in our country. Uh, Or personally, we think, oh man, I waste so much time. How can I redeem the time? How can I start using my time in an effective way, or even uh, professionally or athletically. Uh, If you're a basketball fan, usually you see LeBron James leading his team through the playoffs, but he is not in the playoffs this year. He is resting, and he is set up for redemption for next year, whatever will happen. Or if you're a Virginia basketball fan, when they made their early exit last year to the 16th seed UMBC team, of course, you know... (laughs) They redeemed themselves. They came back and they won it this year. Uh, But the redemption that we're going to learn about this morning is something that we can't do. Um, In some ways, on a horizontal level, on a natural level, we can redeem ourselves. But the redemption that Jesus is bringing is something that he's got to take care of. And we are the recipients. But let's briefly talk about what redemption means. Biblically speaking, it's it's buying back a slave or captive, making free by a payment of a ransom. We've sung about these themes already this morning about redemption, being brought back, being bought back. It's rescuing someone or something and bringing them back to where they belong. So again, Virginia, the, the number one seed last year also, they left early, but then they were brought back to where they belong with their number one seed and winning the tournament. Uh. But in our passage, we see Jesus entering Jerusalem, and the whole world is converging in this place. It's the Passover. Everyone in the surrounding area needs to be there. It's part of their worship. And if you think about it, these are people that saw Jesus perform miracles. These are people that heard Jesus teach. And all the things that he said and did, they're on their minds. And these pilgrims are moving toward Jerusalem and Jesus and his disciples are with them, and they're wondering what's going to happen. Is this, is this the redeemer that we've been looking for? When Jesus comes to town, he brings redemption. And to help us see the kind of redemption that Jesus brings and the way that he brings it, we're going to look at this passage through the lens of the different responses of the people that he interacted with. Undoubtedly, this passage is all about Jesus, as the whole Bible is all about Jesus. But I want to look at these different responses to help us to see. So first, look with me at the obedience of the disciples. In your outline, it says verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, excuse me, then Jesus sent two disciples, um, let me stop right there, um, Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, it's just right across from the old city of Jerusalem, they're, they're right up at the edge, and Jesus says that this is a time to stop, he's about to do something. Verse 2, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, <clears throat> excuse me, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. So these two disciples are sent. It's an interesting assignment. Some commentators think that the the owners of uh, this donkey and colt uh, are known to Jesus by the way that uh, he says the Lord needs them. So perhaps this is a friend of Jesus, and Jesus knows uh, that this donkey and, and this, uh, this full of a donkey will be there. But he says, go and do this. So they get another, another opportunity to obey. And think about it, these two disciples and the rest of the disciples have been with Jesus for the last three years. They've seen him do many things. They've heard his teaching. They've had access to Jesus that the rest of the world has not. And you would think with that that they would really get it that they would really understand what was going on. Uh, but we see that they have their questions as well. Again, Jesus had predicted his death. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be handed over to the chief priest to be killed, and then I will be raised again. Even though they had the answers, they were still, they still didn't fully get it because it was beyond their experience and it was beyond their imagination. But yet they go and they do what he said, And the reason he sent them on this assignment was he was fulfilling scripture. Jesus knew what it said in Zechariah and also in Isaiah about this passage. And if you think about it, it's very intentional and very provocative. You think about it, you're coming and saying, I am fulfilling this prophecy. This is about me and I am going to uh, to fit this description. I'm going to live out. I'm about to march, not march. I'm about to ride into Jerusalem right now and be the fulfillment before all the people. He's not hiding from who he is. And who was he? Well, look at the explanation in verse four. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and riding And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey, of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Again, this moment is the beginning of the end. This is Holy Week. This is a few days away from Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and being handed over. The disciples are wondering what's going to happen, and this is one more chance for the disciples to follow Jesus and watch what he would do. They didn't completely understand, but they obeyed. But what does this mean? Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Again, this is uh, two passages together from Isaiah um, 62 and Zechariah 9.9. God is addressing his people. He's saying, I'm sending my king. This is the one who is in the line of David. This is the one who's going to redeem you. And he comes in a certain way. Uh, As was mentioned in Bill's prayer, Jesus didn't come riding a horse. He will come riding a horse later. But in this moment, he comes riding a donkey. But you think about it, it is audacious. It is audacious for Jesus to, to do this and to set it up this way unless he really is who he said he is. But as one commentator said, this is a very deliberate, symbolic claim to messiahship. He is the anointed one. He is the one coming to redeem. He is the king. I don't know if you've seen the movie Aladdin. It's kind of old now. I think there's a, uh, a live-action version coming out uh, soon. But if you think about the movie Aladdin, and you think about uh, that he got this wish. He wanted to be a king so that he could be with a princess. And how did he enter, you know, on an elephant And like just singing and dancing and and he needed to to fit the part. Uh, Or imagine if if you were entering a town and you wanted to be seen as an important person. If you had access to a motorcade of 10 black SUVs, that would do the trick, right? People would be watching you and wondering uh, what was about to happen. Uh, Jesus doesn't make that kind of statement, but he's making a statement, right? He's fulfilling the scripture He's coming to redeem his people. Jesus is claiming to be the king and redeemer of Jerusalem, of his people. Look now at the praise of the crowd. Verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them, that being Jesus. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Again, you think about this crowd who some had experienced Jesus. It says in the Gospel of John where this passage or this event is recorded, some of these who were in the crowd were those who had seen Lazarus raised from the dead that would have made a pretty big impact on you. You would want to see more, and you would want to see what Jesus was about to do. So all these people are there converging. They knew the scripture. They were obedient to God, heading to Jerusalem, and they see this one. They see this one fulfilling Zechariah 9, the one riding on a donkey, and they praised him. And what's symbolic about the donkey is that it represents humility. Uh, there were other times, it, and it was normal uh, for royalty to ride on a donkey. Uh, but if you were riding on a donkey, you were coming in peace. Again, if you're riding a horse, you're coming in battle. You're coming to take over. But a donkey is a symbol of peace. Jesus is saying, I come in peace. I come in peace to this city, and before I take it over, when you think about when Jesus comes the second time, when he comes and uh, defeats his enemies and saves his people, he comes on a white horse then, but in this moment he comes on a donkey and he's saying, your heart must be won over. He says, for me to take over the world at this time and for, for you to receive me willingly, you need to have a heart change. You need to see that I come humbly and you need to see why I've come. So he comes humbly. Hosanna originally meant God save us, but by the first century, it probably simply was a cry of praise to Yahweh. They were praising God for what they were seeing, the fulfillment of this prophecy. And again, you think about this crowd, they had different hopes of redemption, just as I mentioned earlier, perhaps the different ways that we want to be redeemed out of situations. Many, no doubt, we're hoping for a national militaristic leader. Many were looking for, for different things for Jesus to do, but yet they recognized the scripture and they praised Him as He came. The pilgrims who were moving toward Jerusalem knew God's word and praised God, and we do this too as we join in this throng and worship, as we proclaim that Jesus is our redeemer. What's the result? A shaken city, verse 10. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? Uh, Again, the expectations of the disciples. Even the disciples had their different ideas of what the Redeemer would be. Think of Peter later on in the week in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is about to get handed over, what, what happens? He cuts off the, disci, the, the high priest's servant's ear, and likely he wasn't just going for the ear. He was probably trying to cut off his head. He was trying to start the rebellion right there. It was Peter's expectation right there, defending Jesus, his friend, but wanting to, to, to bring this revolution. And what does Jesus say? Put your sword away. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. I have come, and my kingdom is not of this world. Again, the expectations of the disciples, the expectations of the crowd, the ones who are praising him, uh, they're still somewhat confused, but they're still worshiping, and perhaps we might say that we find ourselves in that position. We don't understand always what God is doing or how he's going to fulfill his plan, but yet we trust him, we praise him, Even when things are confusing, even when we don't know how God is going to provide, we trust Him and we praise Him and we worship Him and we find ourselves in the company of God's people. But the result is this shaken city. The city was shook. What is going on, they say? What is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus who's coming? What does this mean? Perhaps they were fearing that there would be a rebellion or that Jesus literally was going uh, to take over, that he was going to march into Pilate's quarters and say, get out of here. But he's doing something different. But I hope that their question is the question that we have, that Jesus is important, that Jesus is someone that is worthy of our time and attention. Uh, Even yesterday when I was out witnessing, I said, folks, you should be thinking about this. Jesus is awesome and amazing, and you should be wondering and thinking about who is this. This was the response of the crowd. Uh, He's someone that you can't just dismiss. Uh, And I hope that in our relationships, that as we talk about Jesus, as people find out that we're Christians, as we interact with our neighbor's they're curious about the Jesus that we worship. That they would see our lives of holiness and humility and they would wonder, why does she follow Jesus? Or why does he follow Jesus? Or why does this family uh, believe in God and follow Christ? So all these people are wondering what's going on. Who is Jesus? And the crowd responds. This is the confession of faith in verse 11. And the crowd says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Again, whenever you add where you're from, uh, sometimes that adds credibility. Sometimes that makes you think of scorn. Uh, But one commentator said, so here at one and the same time we see the courage of Christ and the claim of Christ and the appeal of Christ. It was the last invitation to men to open not their palaces but their hearts to him. He's coming. And again, think about it. At any moment, Jesus could have said, Be quiet. Don't do this. And in fact, in one of the other gospel accounts, the religious teachers were there and they said, tell your disciples to stop. What was Jesus' response? If they stop, the rocks will cry out. I will not stop them because they're doing what is right and good. And the reason you're not doing that is because your heart is not in the right place. You need to humble yourself And look at what Jesus is doing. So it begs the question, are we humble in our proclamation of Christ? What do people think about when they think of Christians? What does our Facebook feed say about our attitude? What kind of attitude does that present to the world? Uh, Are Christians triumphant and bombastic And someone that you can't have a conversation with? Uh, Or are we humble? Do we realize that we have been saved by a humble king and we want to commend him to other people? Are we the kind of people that are willing to say, I'm not a good person. I'm not naturally good. And it's the reason why I need Jesus. He came to rescue this world by humbling himself. And that's how he rescued me. That's how he redeemed me uh, by coming in this way that he did. Back to Ego Alley, the little raft and the big boat. When Jesus came, he came on a donkey. He came in humility. He says, I come in peace. He says, Come to me, believe in me, and you will be redeemed. Uh, But there is that big boat moment coming. There is a day when Jesus is going to come back in glory, and there will be mo- no mistake about it. Uh, for now, for, for those who are not Christians, you experience God's grace every day, even if you don't acknowledge it. But when Jesus comes, that grace is done. And the reason why he came that day in Jerusalem, humble, was so that you would receive him. He would say, I come in peace, but one day he's going to come in justice and in judgment. And if you have not repented and trusted in him, you will be judged because he is a good judge. He does see everything that you've done, everything that you haven't done. And if you are guilty, you will get what you deserve. He comes to redeem lost people, he comes to save people who have sinned against God, and he comes in grace to redeem them. But his return is good news for us, brothers and sisters, because the suffering that we experience, the, the confusion, the, just the stress of living in this world one day, that, that will be gone. Now we enjoy the presence of God, the peace of God that enables us to go in peace to other people. Uh, but why is that the case? It's because Jesus on his way to Jerusalem was going to the cross. It is a reason why he came. He came humbly, even though he had great strength, even though he had great self-control, He was marching to Jerusalem to save his people, not by uh, taking over in the way that they thought, but he came to save them through his death on the cross. That was the kind of redeemer that we need. That's the kind of redeemer uh, that we need more than anything else. That our sins would be forgiven, that we would be adopted into God's family, that we would willingly follow Jesus and not begrudgingly. So friends, I commend to you the cross of Christ, the reason why Jesus came, the way that he redeems his people, the way that we have access to God, the way that we know him. And as we commend him to other people, we say, this Jesus is the one that I need and he's the one that you need as well. So I commend you to him today to trust in him, to take your burdens to him, your, your, your stress, your sin, and be redeemed by him. He will receive you. He doesn't cast anyone away. Jesus saves all kinds of people. He redeems them. He brings them back to himself, and he says to cry out to him. So let's pray, and let's go to him right now. Jesus, you are the great redeemer. You came in humility to the city. You came to fulfill prophecy. You came to be the redeeming son of God for your people. Thank you that you came in humility and that you invite us to come to you in humility and in repentance. Acknowledging our need for you, trusting in your love for us, trusting in your power to work in us, that we might persevere in this life, that we might encourage one another, that we might confront our own sin and to have the knowledge that you help us with that. Lord, you send us, uh, you have sent a church You have sent a community of people who have been called by you and we can call one another to you. So Lord, be with us in that. Lord, be with those who are not sure about you. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to answer the question, who is this? That you would come to them, Lord, and show them uh, your humility and your glory and in the grace that we have in the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.